Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Julius, and this is episode 281. Hey, get your hands off my evil! You sound like someone trying to impersonate Minnie Mouse. <laughs> I assume that's not the intention. You didn't know Minnie Mouse had evil in her, did you? I mean, I've played <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. Okay. So there you go. I didn't understand it. So maybe there's some evil Minnie Mouse in there. So, But today that's not the game, is it? <laughs> that is not the game. We are going to be touching evil today. That's right. We're talking about a touch of evil. Dark Gothic. It's really Dark Gothic is the name of the game. Touch of evil is just the, uh... oh, you know our universe. So you'll want to get this game kind of part of the title. They have a universe? <laughs> Don't they? There's the Dark Gothic universe. So, yeah, yeah. It's Flying Frog Games. And they have a whole setting called or called Dark called called a touch of evil, which is set in like colonial uh, New England, full of like creeping horrors and stuff. That's game from like what two thousand six or seven, probably. And creepy actors dressed up in costumes. Yeah, and so okay, so <laughs> we'll jump to the chase. This game, the game Touch of Evil, was famous for the artwork in which they went and hired a models and took a uh, cosplay photos of all the models for all the cards all the artwork on all the cards in everything the board and everything in the touch of evil series is actual people it's photography it's not and it's very doctored photography it's very photoshopped but it is photography is and it photoshopped it, i i remember they they talked about that yeah yeah there's okay. definitely a lot of photoshop and they went into it i remember hearing some interview years ago um and it's a, it's a controversial designs choice, I think. Some people like it, some don't. Ugh. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm I'm so strongly <laughs> in the absolutely never category. I don't mind it too much. I got in use it, I guess. The I'm generally not a fan of games with photography in them. If a game that has photography, I tend to like assume is a bad game because historically that's always been true because those are like movie tie-ins where they took you know scenes from the movie for like I don't know, the Incredible Hulk movie game. And it's just a you know silly roll and move kids game. So, so I think in my mind I'm very prejudiced against that sort of thing. But you know, if you get beyond the artwork, these people make decent games. So, so there you go. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let let us talk a little bit about the game though. It is a deck building game set in the Touch of Evil universe, and in it, so it's you know it's a typical deck builder. You you have different resources and cards that you start with, and you're buying cards from a center line, and that sort of thing. It is a semi-cooperative game in that you're working together to fight the evil uh, villains, but there is a winner at the end based on who has the most points in their deck. Uh, but you can play completely cooperative. But you can play completely cooperative or solo. Absolutely, yep. There's there's a, a mechanism for uh, for losing. And uh, that the... Well, we'll get into the details. But they, they leverage that mechanism a little heavier for the fully cooperative version. So let's talk about the rules. The rules are—they're they're average. They—they they go through and explain the game. I thought a little, a little bit. The I felt like I jumped back and forth as I was learning stuff in the rule books. It doesn't have a handy reference at the end, which I kind of wish it did. But it's laid out in an easy to find thing, things kind of way. Like earlier I was, tonight, I was playing the game, just getting ready for the show, and. Uh, I had a question. Wait a second. These location cards, do they stay out all the time? Because I noticed some say they stay out, some don't. So I went to the rule book. I quickly found the section that said locations, got my answer, and kept playing. So it was easy to reference. 
It's not encyclopedic in style, but it's easy to reference. It is only an eight-page rule book. I mean, it can't be that hard to find things. <laughs> you know, I've had trouble with four-page rule books, so. <laughs> I suppose that's true. But yeah, it, 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 yeah. But you're right. It's, it's not a real big rule. Yeah, it's not. It's short. Things are laid out pretty well and clearly marked where different things are in the rule book. So it is easy to find stuff as you need it. And it is a straightforward deck builder. And if you don't know what a deck builder game is, shame on you, really. But maybe this is the first time you've heard of them. It's a game where you start with a small deck of cards, and over time you're adding cards to your deck, right? And it's a relatively straightforward mechanism, and there's enough games like that that you don't need to explain it a whole lot anymore. So yeah, so there's there's our rule book. The theme of the game, as I mentioned, it's Colonial America and New England area. Um, think um, Sleepy Hollow and that sort of thing, that, that time frame. And the game sort of looks like that because it has photography. All the cards are very dark, so all the all the pictures tend to be a lot of shadow shading and, and a lot of lighting focusing on the characters. So it's, it's very dramatic looking pictures, photographs of the people. Maybe even evil looking. There, everybody looks evil. Even the even the heroes all look evil. That's and I think that's something about the the touch of evil universe, which honestly I'm not super familiar with. I played another game once before, but that was it. But I think everybody sort of supposedly has a little bit of a dark, sinister past to them, sort of thing. Nobody's truly ever innocent. Um, but the game never really gets into that very deeply, other than you can pick up some cards that uh, give you like a, they're called dark secrets that have negative effects on you. Thematically, so you're fighting monsters. There's a lot of cards in the, in the center line that you could uh, buy that are monsters. There's also the villains you're fighting, which are supernatural monsters also. Most most of the villains are supernatural. Not necessarily all of them, but I think most of them are. Even like the the typical you know wolf that you would find in the wild or just a little more sinister than that, it seems. And I think it comes out in the cards and the artwork and whatnot. So yeah, I mean, that's the that's the theme. Touch of evil, colonial gothic horror, which is a really popular theme these days. I, I didn't remember anything like that coming growing up in the 80s other than maybe like Sleepy Hollow. But it, it has become more and more popular. I'm trying to think of any other ones, actually, because I was just saying that it would be a fun theme to have to a game if it were done better than this one. <laughs> um, but I can't think of too many more that have that particular theme, that Sleepy Hollow theme. Nothing comes to mind in board games, but I know there's a few role-playing games mm. that are set in that sort of theme. Um, there's one called... Is it Colonial Gothic or something? I forget what it is. That that's an older one now. Um, th- there's a few of those worth checking out. But not to get too far afield. Solomon Kane. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Not to get too far afield. So components. So this is a deck building game. So you know what you're gonna find. You're gonna get a box with a lot of cards in it. I don't know how many cards. Julius doesn't have the rubric candy. He might have a better idea, but I think it's probably close to 200 cards in it total. I mean, I'd have to total them up because the rubric has. Sp- Starting cards and honor cards and training cards and the main deck and shocking. There's a lot of cards. Okay, so so we don't need the exact numbers. I'm going to say about 200, and we're going to go with that. There's there's a the starting cards. There's a whole bunch of starting cards. So each player is going to have their starting cards, which is pretty typical. There's different types of resources in the game: intelligence, fighting, and investigation skills, or red, blue, and green, as I like to call them. And I wonder why it is that you do that. Because, <laughs> because I, as much as I love theming my games, I throw it out when I'm playing. I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's also that it doesn't really 
come through. It doesn't come through at all in this game, honestly. That that's definitely a fair I mean, critique of it. If they would have had combat, if all like for Mage Knight, different cards, like some of the cards really evoke the idea that they're looking for and the effect that they have. But like the I'm staring at the flintlock pistol, and it happens to be a red and a green one. Well, what the heck cunning has to do with a flintlock pistol? <laughs> yeah. You gotta be really and, smart to pick up the gun and shoot it. That's definitely cunning. <laughs> I know it doesn't make sense. And some creatures, you know, require cunning and and intuition to fight it and not any fighting skills. So I that does bother me about the game. That's the one thing that it kind of throws the, the theme out when you're actually playing it. But you know, that's fine. It isn't a big deal, really. I'm I'm not inclined to cut slack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the you get you get uh, hero cards. Each player has a character. These are oversized cards. They're much taller than the normal playing cards. I think about one and a half times the size of a playing card. There's also three villain cards that are that big, like tarot size. Are they? They're thinner than a tarot card, but yeah, about that height. But um, e- either way, they you have I think like eight or nine of those for the heroes and and nine villain ones. When you play the game, you're going to draw three random villain ones, an easy, medium, and hard one. So there's a fair bit of combination mixing in there. Each of the heroes I really like is different. You get a different combination of starting cards based on who you have. And each hero has unique ability that is different. And, and it could definitely affect how the game plays and whatnot. Uh, which is neat because most deck building games don't have that out, you know, out the door. You got to get the expansion or whatever before that happens. Um, so there's a bunch of starting cards, enough for all the heroes. There's upgrade cards, like of the basic type that you could buy that are always off on the side. There's a whole center line of cards. It's, it must be like 150 cards. It's a, it's a lot to shuffle. It says 72 card main deck. That can't be right. I guess it is. They're thick cards. That's why, that's why I'm suspicious. I had to break it up into two piles to shuffle it. Oh no, it says 72, but I think I'm looking at the expansion rule book. Yeah. So it's more than 72. Um, what else? There's the one villain card that's always out there. You could always attack them. And if you do that, it lets you discard a card from your, your hand or from that center line. Handy for you know trimming down your deck, that sort of thing. And besides all these cards that I've mentioned, I think all the types, there's also a die, a little black die with uh, numbers on most of the sides and a skull on one or two of the sides. And you will use that throughout the game, especially in the solo game, but not exclusively. I will say that's probably the best component in the box. <laughs> I don't like the die that much. It's got sharp corners. I am not a fan of sharp cornered dice. I like my dice to have rounded corners. And if I'm going to complain about anything in this game, it's that darn pointy die. I don't know. I think the I like the dice face. I like the fact that it's got skulls. Yeah, I like that. My guess is back in uh, Colonial America, they did not have pointy dice. They're all pretty darn rounded. That, that's my guess. <laughs> I may not. I don't know. But I'm, that's, I'm, I'm confident in that, I'm, honestly. All, all the uh, fancy acrylic dice from the Colonial era have shown up with rounded corners. That's, that's what I'm saying. So anyway, the, all, all the cards have art. There, there's a lot of unique art, which is borrowed from the original board games. So it's it's not unique to the card game necessarily. You'll recognize pictures, recognize the characters and whatnot. It's all the same heroes in this game as in the board game. I don't know my dogs are barking so much. Um, however, what they have done in for the monsters or minions that you're fighting, 
they couldn't actually go and get good photographs of wolves or ghosts and vampires and things like that. So a lot of those look to me like they're 3D art. The kind, you know, the kind that looks realistic. You see a video game that has 3D art and it's supposed to look photorealistic, but you know it isn't real. That's what it looks like to me. After a while, I forgot. At first, it felt a little jarring that it was different. After a while, I kind of just don't even notice it anymore. The the main villain yeah, cards. Just blood out having to look at all the other art. <laughs> There's so much of it though. I wonder where my dogs are barking so much. The the three v- villain cards that you're fighting against. Now those instead of having photo style art, those look like line drawings on parchment style paper. That's the background of it. And I really like those. I wish there was more of that actually. I'd be happy if most of the game looked that way. Yeah. But then it wouldn't be touch of evil. Uh, so there we go. That's the components. You get you get a fair bit of stuff in the box. It's a smallish box, kind of like the size of a, a Ascension when it the, the size it came in originally. I don't know what that is. Small. The, the new um, yeah, it's like the new Arkham Horror kind of box size ish. About that. It also has the insert that has the, like the ridges on the bottom of the trays. They're big trays for storing this stuff, but those ridges keep the cards from sliding and getting flat all the time, which is really nice. It's not a fantastic insert with all these little separate compartments but it's darn workable all right so we talked about the components and the theme and the rules let's talk about gameplay i've already said it's a pretty typical deck builder right you're gonna start with a hand of cards in this case it's six cards and they each have one of three resources i already mentioned the red blue and green there's also a, a neutral gray one that could represent any color so if you have one of the gray ones most characters start with one not everybody does you could decide what color it is as you play it. And some cards, when you go buy it, it says it costs a two blue and two gray. When you buy it, you decide what color the gray is. Is it blue, red, or green? So, yeah, so, so you got the different types of resources. Uh, each turn, you're going to buy cards from the center row as much as you could afford. As you buy a card, you will replace it from a card from the draw deck. There is also the, the minion guy that's always out that anytime you attack him, you get to remove a card from your hand. And there's some cards that you could buy on the side that are basic cards without special abilities like the center row has. You're going to buy your cards, discard everything you buy, plus everything in your hand, and play the next round. Now, in the solo game, at the beginning of each round, or the cooperative one also, I guess, you're going to roll the die. If it rolls one of the skull sides, for, you're going to roll the die for each minion that's out on the board. If you roll the skull, that minion gets discarded into... I don't know what it's called, a crypt or something. If there are 10 cards in that pile, you lose the game automatically. The forces of evil have overwhelmed you, that sort of thing. So you don't want there to be a lot of minions out because if there's a lot of minions, your chances of having to remove one go up. So there's a little bit of strategy, you know, buy minions to keep that from happening, that sort of thing. There's other things that could cause cards to go in the middle into that into that discard pile. You generally want to avoid that when you can. There's cards that ha- they have a mystery effect. Any card that has a mystery effect, that effect happens when the card is played. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. There's locations. Sometimes when you buy those, when they come up, you put them in front of you and they stay there. You don't have to discard them. There's creatures that you're fighting. There's allies you're collecting and gear. All of these are cards that you buy and put into your, your discard pile and you will draw and use in the future. So as you're playing, there's not much difference between them. They, they all kind of work the same. They give you resources or they give you a special ability. Some cards will say things like, oh, if you're fighting, this card will give you an extra point to, to fight with, an extra point of blue or something. 
locations might give you an extra resource or might have some special effect. Allies, again, all, all sort of the same thing. Some cards target types of cards. Some cards say ghosts are cheaper to attack now if you, if you attack with this card. Or gear might be cheaper, and so on and so forth. There's one thing that's a little bit different is sometimes, I think I'd mentioned it earlier briefly, there's dark secrets. You could get a dark secret. If you get that, this card goes into your deck, into your discard pile. The next time it shows up in your hand, you have to play it immediately. What you do with that card is you just discard it back into the, the pile of dark secret cards, and you draw... Oh, I forget what they're called. And maybe the other one's called a dark secret, and this is called something else. Um, a shocking discovery. You draw the shocking discovery, and it's a secret about you that has some sort of game effect. And sometimes, usually they're bad. Occasionally, it's a good shocking discovery about you. Um, so you don't want these cards in your deck because they're going to generally be bad, and it's going to reduce the number of cards you actually have that are usable in your deck because you had to play, and you had to play at the beginning. So that that's a shame. But there's different things that will give you that. Some cards, when you buy them, will give you shocking discoveries, or some cards just by showing up in the middle, you may have to get a shocking discovery. That sort of thing. The main villain may force you to draw more shocking discoveries and it varies i've played games where i've had maybe one shocking discovery i've had other ones where where i went through the entire deck of shocking discoveries so it, you know just it's, it's there's a lot of variety um that's usually a good thing and so so that's the gameplay basically you keep fighting buying cards in the middle at some point you could attack the villain they they tend to just be tougher when you attack the villain, you defeat him. You put him under your hero card just so you could remember to score him. And then the level 2 villain comes out. Again, that, that villain's going to be tougher to kill and may have more dangerous effects. Once that villain is killed, then there's a level 3. You keep going until the level 3 villain is killed. And at that point, the game is over and you would have won if you killed the level 3 villain. Uh, that's basically the game. It is it's pretty straightforward to play. It plays pretty quick. I enjoy it. I definitely enjoy it. So hearing all this, what do you think about what, what it's going to sound like to you, Julius? Every single other deck builder? Yep. <laughs> but with different artwork. <laughs> but with bad artwork? <laughs> or or you could say bad artwork, I guess. That's, and that's that's really the main thing that separates this game apart from, say, Star Realms or Ascension or, or any of these other deck builders with that stream in the middle. It is the artwork. It is a, a quite playable game. It is fine. I enjoy it. Um, honestly, this is the only deck builder I ever actually pull out to play solo. I have Star Realms, and I love Star Realms, and I'll play it with my son, but I tend not to pull it out solo, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I've played it so much or what, but this one comes out every, it, not often, but every, every once in a while, every year or two, maybe I'll play it a few times and put it away again. And I've always enjoyed it. I, li- I like the dark theme. I like the art. You say you like the dark theme, except you don't really know the theme. The theme doesn't I, come out. I know, and yet, and yet, I, I I'm gravitated to it for whatever reason. I don't get it. I like the the idea of that colonial horror stuff. I mean, I get the idea of colonial horror, but there's not a story like with Arkham Horror and the 1920s and all that. There's a story. There's characters there. There's there's writing. There's immersion. There's mm-hmm. not for this. Like you can't even tell me if the good guys are the good guys or the bad guys. Yeah, I mean, and that that is a little bit of a problem when I'm playing. Like uh, some of the villain, like tonight, one of the villains that I that had to fight against, I think the level two said, whenever an ally comes out, roll the die, the omen die, and if it comes out with a skull, he gets discarded to the to the crypt or whatever. Well, um, the cards they say in big text, they say ally or minion or location, whatever it is. 
but they look otherwise they look exactly the same so i I totally forgot to check i missed it a few times you know maybe if if it looked more different maybe if the color was different but because it's all dark gothic everything's black so i don't know but that might just be me whining and being not precise as i play which you know is my style so you mentioned that there really aren't any good Lovecraftian deck building games other than Cthulhu Realms. That's the only one I know. I can't think of any. Yeah, Cthulhu Realms. That that one is based on Star Realms. I think it's the same designer, just like Star Realms, all the same mechanics and all that. But it's a small game from it was a small game from TMG. That one's fun. I played that a bunch in the app. Anyway, <laughs> besides that, so I mean, there you go. This is Dark Gothic. It is a perfectly adequate deck building game, just like all the others. Doesn't bring a whole lot new to the game. The I like the heroes. I like the fact that everybody starts with different powers, and I think that is nice. That that makes it more fun. I like the idea of the villains and having to fight the different villains. And each game you play, you draw random ones, so it's different. I enjoy the art style, even though it's paralyzing. I enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by it's paralyzing. It's uh, polarizing. I'm sorry, not polarizing. Yes. Oh, polarizing. Yes, yes, because I hate it. Either you love it or you hate it. Yeah. (laughs) I get that. I mean, I bought the game as a, a, I think as a wedding gift for some friends, wedding gift. They were big uh, cooperative board gamers. And we played it and it just was not successful at all. I think it was the artwork. They find it so hard to take the game seriously because of the cheesy artwork. Which, you know, it's, it's only cheesy, I think, if you think it's, if you look at it cheesy, I think if you look at it, oh, this is really serious and they meant the artwork to be creepy and whatnot. And I think it doesn't feel as cheesy, but I don't know, whatever. It's polarizing and, and that's just okay, isn't it? And it's a little bit of an older game. I think it came out probably around 2015 or so, but it's definitely still available. They they have released one large standalone expansion for it that supports two to three players. I think this one goes up to four. I'm not sure. The main game. The, there's also a bunch of small expansions that you could get from the publisher's website. I don't know how many of these things they sell at retailers. I've never really seen it. I did see the original at the game store years ago. That's where I got it. But I haven't seen the other stuff at my game store. Then again, they don't carry a lot of stuff from uh, Flying Frog. But it is all available. It's a little pricey, I think. Maybe just the way, the way it is. The cards are very thick, though. Um, we never did figure out exactly how many cards are in that center roll deck, but I find it hard to shuffle. Just because there's so much. I have to break it up into two big packs. And even then, it's a little hard to shuffle them because there's so many cards in each half half stack of cards. So there we go. There's my uh, glowing review for A Touch of Evil. A dark, my dark extremely gothic. dark one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I you know, can't say I like it. I've had fun with it. It's funny. I don't really like deck building games, generally speaking. Like for so, like I said, I never play them. But this one, I don't mind bringing this one out. And I enjoy deck building games, but I just absolutely cannot stand the heart, the the art on it. Mm-hmm. I, and I just don't think it stands out in gameplay either. I think that it is so bland. There's nothing special about it, which, you know, it's got nothing to it for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. The, I don't know if there's anything else I could say about it. <laughs> well, then I guess that just kind of puts a wrap on this dark tale. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Julius. Have a good night, Albert. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. 
You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.